Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoy this week's homily. I don't know about you, but I actually have a really hard time sitting down and sitting still. If I were to make a confession to you this morning, it would simply be this. I'm a fidgeter, like a really bad fidgeter. I always have been. It's been really, really bad and sometimes even problematic. I I constantly have this need to have something in my hand, something that's tactile or something that that I I can feel or move or spin or twist or twirl or click with a pen. I want to constantly flip it and move it around or tap it on the table. I oftentimes beat to the march or to the sound of my own drum. Right? Like I create music wherever I go in my head with a pen or with a click, and I'm constantly dancing to that music, sometimes on beat, and sometimes people just look at me really strangely. When I was a kid in school, I did this a lot. I would, I would just tap and make noise. I would constantly move my feet or bounce them up and down or like wiggle them a lot just to kind of get the movement going. And I had so many teachers just look at me after putting up with that noise or that sound or that rhythm for like 30 seconds. They'd look at me and be like, stop it. Just quit it now. And go. What? what? What was I doing? And I had no idea that that's what I was doing. I'm a fidgeter. And it happens all the time in every single place that I am. I remember Thanksgiving dinner several years ago, many moons ago, and the whole family, I was with my entire family, extended family, cousins, all the like, about 30 of us around a giant table at Grandpa's house. And dinner had wrapped up, and we had moved into the inappropriate conversation segment of the dinner. This happens in my family, where the conversation just completely shifts, like takes, like moves away from pleasantries and niceties to like, just like, what did you say? Huh? Like, like offensive or inappropriate or just like, what? Like it just takes this really weird like right turn shift and you're like, oh, what is going on? Well, usually during this period, I like to sit there and listen, uh, sometimes interjecting, but I'll sit there and listen and oftentimes I do what I normally do. I fidget. And I was banging the fork on my plate. Just a tap, 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 just creating a drum beat in my head, tap, 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 I don't know what I was drumming, when all of a sudden, the plate and the fork were just lifted and disappeared from behind me. What was happening? My Uncle Jim had had enough, and he just grabbed it quietly, gently, and put it away. He just took it from me. What are you doing? That was my music. That was my drum. That was my stuff. I was at least 30 years old at this point. And because I was still a child in that family, because everybody's old, I decided, I looked at my brother, and I said, you know what to do. 
and we created more and more and more of a drum beat together, creating a band of like percussion instruments, just yeah, right, a tat, 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 pa, pa, da, ah. right? If I could beatbox, I totally would have broke down in that moment, but I cannot beatbox. My Uncle Jim flipped out. I don't know what that comment was, and I'm <laughs> I've tried, oh man. My Uncle Jim slammed his hands down on the table and said, will you please stop it? To which me and my brother just like smiled at each other like, <laughs> so good, right? The other day I was uh, in therapist's office and we were sitting down and she kind of pointed to this beautiful box that was sitting next to me and she said, please feel free to use that at any point in time. I was like, what is it? She goes, it's all sort of fidgety things. All sorts of them. And I was like, no, I'll be, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes, three minutes into the, the session, I'm tapping on my hands. I was like, maybe I should probably grab that. I grabbed the fidgety box, and oh, it was so full of so many wonderful things. And a tear started to creep up on my eye because somebody got me. They finally understood. They understood me. They got it. I just need to fidget. I just need something that's constantly there to, to occupy my mind, to occupy my hands, to occupy, occupy my space. I just need things. I'm not the only one. And I know this because I know that we all are in this sort of space of needing things to occupy our mind and our space. I, I, I tell you, I think the reason why traffic in Seattle is so bad is because we can't go through a stoplight, sitting at a stoplight without grabbing our phone. And you're constantly looking at it, and you see the person in front of you, what they've done. Their head is down. You're like, oh, they're on their phone. They're going to miss the green. And of course, there goes the green, and you get the honk from like four cars back. And finally, they start to go. But then the other person that was behind them was also on their phone. And they look up, and they're like, oh, they're shook, right? They're like, what? And they go, and there's already like three car lengths between the two of them. And then the car behind that, another three car lengths. And then there's you, like, i got to get through the yellow. i got to make it. i got to make it. Because everybody, we can't even sit still through a traffic light, right? We're constantly, constantly constantly in need of some sort of stimulation. We can't sit still at all. And in fact, there was a commercial that I saw just this morning. It was a commercial for Nissan, right? So the Nissan Rogue, and their tagline was this. This is protection in a world of distraction. Marketing their car as protection, as being the safest place that you could be on the road because there are so many people that are distracted with the phones in their cars. That this is protection in a world of distraction. We just can't do it. And I, and I, I tell you, I love this thing. I love my phone. I really, really do, mainly because it has become one of the great arbiters of every single argument you're ever in, right? You sit there, and you're, you're in an argument, and you're like, no, Bette Midler has not died, 
right? Like you're in that space of just arguing like, oh, no, 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 that never happened. Let me Google it. Like, and you look through Snopes, you look through all these other websites just to figure it out. Like, I love this thing. There's, there's so many good things about it. I wouldn't know how to get anywhere in this city without this phone, Right? I mean, like, it's constantly my GPS. It gets me around traffic. It saves me time. It's how I communicate left and right with people all over the place. Right? I'm communicating on it because I'm constantly on my phone. In fact, I looked at my screen time stuff the other day. I spend an average, I, I want to encourage all of you to do this, I spend an average of six hours a day on my phone screen time. Now, granted, some of that, too, is it's linked up with my iPad. And I read on my iPad, so that's, that, that, there's a little bit of that. But six hours a day of screen time, what is your average, right? How much are you on that thing? It's crazy. The other day, I was talking to a friend, and he was, he was telling me about how uh, he has this one particular guy in his congregation, and every Sunday as he gets up to preach, the guy gets into this kind of position. You just kind of see him shake off his shoulders, move his neck, slouch, fold his arms, and go right to sleep. Every Like, before he even says a word, it's like, the music is over, he begins to make his way up to the front, and the dude just chills out, like, goes to sleep. And I was like, are you sure he's actually asleep? Like, maybe he's just, he goes, oh, no, he snores, too, and his wife will give him an elbow right in the ribs, like, oh, right? And I said, I said, that's that's absolutely horrible. He goes, it's better than the people that are constantly flipping through Facebook on their phones. Because I've got those people too. Where they're, every time I get up to speak, they pull out their phones and they're constantly flipping through Facebook. And I go, I go, how do you know they're not like using their phone as their Bible? He goes, you don't read the Bible like this. <laughs> I was like, what is that? He goes, I don't know, but this is how our people like re-scroll through. It's like this royal like... Who pleases me today, right? As they scroll through their timeline. Fair point. Fair point. This wild sort of gesture. We struggle as a people for stillness. We struggle as a culture and as a society for quiet. We have to wrestle it away from the noise that is around us and even wrestle it away from our own fidgety sorts of tendencies. We have to constantly push and pull and prod and move everything to create the kind of space that is actually possible for us to be still and quiet. We struggle. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, verse 10, these words that God spoke to the people. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. Which sounds a bit like a cruel joke to us today, right? Like, if the only way that I can actually get to know God is to be still, that goes against everything that this culture has formed within me. Everything that this culture has formed within me is to constantly be stimulated 
by ideas and thoughts and places and entertainment and media over and over. This constant run of stimulation everywhere we go. That my attention span is actually being shrunk more and more and more. I remember growing up as a kid, the whole thing was like Sesame Street is ruining our children's attention span. Their little sketches and their little skits are a minute long, and our kids can't hold an attention for longer than a minute. They're ruining everything. Well, now I feel like if I'm flipping through Facebook or Instagram, if it's, I don't even know if I spend a second on it, right? Even a video, if you don't capture my attention in the first two, three, four seconds, I'm like, screw it, I'm done. Right? And I move on. I blow past it. Who pleases me today? What is wrong with our attention? Where has our thing gone? And we have this God who says, nah, just be still. This is how you'll get to know me, is be still. Move and work against everything that is being formed in you by this culture and by this space. And just be still. Still. I think about that word, like what does it actually mean? What does this idea of stillness actually encompass? Because every time I try to be still, I sit there and I'm like, okay, I got this, I got this, just be still. And I can't quite keep my body from being tense as I try and attempt to relax just a little bit, but I'm like, okay. Be still. I focus so hard and I'm just kind of like looking around and trying to find something to be the object of my attention in that moment and then thinking like, no, this is not stillness. Uh, And I fight with my own mental acuity in that moment trying to figure out what on earth stillness really is. Well, this word is actually rafa in the Hebrew, like this word rafa, which is a really fascinating word because... In the translation of still and how maybe some of us have always heard this verse and for some of us, this might actually be a new verse or a new idea or a new concept, this idea of stillness. This word rafa in the Hebrew actually has many different connotations and stillness or still is just kind of a synonym. But I really like some of the other words and phrases that it actually means like relax Just relax and know that I am God. Just relax. Or or, or, or release. Just release it. What is that tension and that stress that is there, that is in your neck, or that deadline that is just completely pressing in on you at all sides? Just release. Release and know that I am God. Or let go. Just let it go. Whatever angerness or bitterness or rage or pain or sorrow you're feeling in that moment, just let it go. And know that I am God. Or maybe my favorite, be slack. Be slack. It feels kind of like slang, right? Like, I feel like I'm being cool. Just be slack, man. Y'all be slack, right? No, it's not it, right? But like this idea of just like, let your body just go limp. In fact, limp is one of the words as well. Like, just let it go completely limp. Just let all of the things that tighten us 
go and know that I am God. Breathe. Breathe. And relax and know that I am God. Pay attention in this space. It's a, a new form of paying attention. In fact, Psalm 46 is really quite beautiful in how it lays this all out. The whole psalm is kind of like, it comes to this head at be still and know that I am God. The entire chapter of Psalm 46 where it begins, this is for the choir director. That this is a song that we should sing. Something that we should be completely enraptured in musically. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Then there's a word, Sela. It just means pause, breathe. Relax. Give space. There's all of this chaos around us. Though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its selling pride, pride as the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the earth should change, we will not fear. Pause. Breathe. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the, most whole, the, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Pause, breathe, rest, relax. Though everything is going poorly, though everything seems to be crumbling around us, pause and breathe because God is with us. Come. Behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. Who has wrought desolations in the earth. This is a fascinating phrase because I look at wrought and desolations. And I'm like, what does that mean? Did God bring desolation? to the, Like, has he brought chaos and pain and suffering? And has he completely laid waste to everything around us? No, wrought is actually the exact opposite. That God is bringing forth peace and beauty and glory to the chaos and the desolation around us. That he's actually bringing peace in that space. That God is at work in all of the chaos, in all of the places that have been laid waste. God is at work. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving. Be still. Be slack. Relax and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. In the midst of all of this, God is present. In the midst of all of the chaos and all of the things that are swirling around us, in the midst of every calamity and problem and chaos and pain and suffering and war and, and starvation, in, in the midst of all of that stuff that is around us, God is actually present. And he tells us, breathe. Relax. I've got this. I've got this. I am at work in the midst of it all. Cease your endless striving and just for a moment know that I am with you in this place. Cease your striving and your work for just a moment and recognize that I am 5, 10, 15, 20 steps ahead of you in this whole thing. Join me there. Come to that space. Come to that place. Because I am there. Be still and know that I am God. The German philosopher, poet Rilke said this. He said, I am you anxious one. I am the name that God gives himself in Exodus. I am, you anxious one. Don't you sense me, ready to break into being at your touch. My murmurings surround you like shadowy wings. Can't you see me standing before you cloaked in stillness? Hasn't my longing ripened in you from beginning as fruit ripens on a branch? I am the dream you are dreaming. When you want to awaken, I am waiting. I grow strong in the beauty you behold, and with the silence of the stars, I enfold your cities made by time. It's this beautiful reflection upon the idea of stillness in the presence of God. That God is constantly present and waiting for us in the stillness and in the quiet, in the hush of our day, in the hush of our life as we continue to push and pull and shove away to fight for stillness in our life, God is there waiting for us in that quiet and in that place. Real quiet is presence. There's this, there's this acoustic ecologist named Gordon Hempton. He lives over on the Olympic Peninsula. He lives uh, just outside of Olympic National Park, to which he goes in all the time into Olympic National Park. He hangs out there as like his sanctuary, as his place. He said that the Olympic National Park, that, that, that what happens there, he calls it the Yosemite of silence. It is like the most beautiful place in the world for quiet and for silence for the lack of sound and noise. And he goes in there and he records the silence. And as he spends his day in that quiet and in that silence and in that place, he says that real silence is presence. Presence. That we are being present to what is going on around us in the stillness and the quiet, but also that there's this other 
presence that is there in that space. That there's the other beautiful presence that is kind of enraptured around us of, of quiet and of place and of space. There's a real presence there. Uh, he goes on to say this about quiet and silence. Quiet is the think tank of the soul. Quiet is the think tank of the soul. That in quiet, our soul is able to connect and be refreshed and find space for openness and new ideas to flourish among us. New passions and new heartbeats to come forth as we sit in the quiet, in the think tank of the soul. And some of you may be thinking and saying, well, what if I don't really care <laughs> for silence? What if I don't really care for quiet? What if I don't really care for stillness? What if I don't really long for that in any way, shape, or form? That's fair, right? Because that's not how we've been a formed in our culture and our society. We haven't been formed for that or with that or wanting that in any way, shape, or form. Back in the 14th century, Meister Eckhart said this, that the soul must long for God in order to be set aflame by God's love. But if the soul cannot yet feel this longing, then it must long for the longing to long for the longing is also from God. That the feelings that are within us, the longings that we have within us, that we have to long for these sorts of places, to, to long for God. And yet even though we don't long for the stillness and the quiet, we may long for the presence of God in our life. And God is saying to us over and over, you may not long for that, you may not want that, but be still and just know. Just be still and just know. Just relax and just know. Be slack and just know that I am God here in this space, in this place, in this presence that is around you. God desires God longs for us to connect with him in this space, in this space where everything that weighs us down, everything that pushes and pulls us away from one another and from God, everything that, that, that fights, fights, fights and is at war with silence in our lives. God says, push it away as much as possible. Shove it to the side. Create more space for yourself and just... Be still. One of the ways in which I've had to do this in my own life is hiking. I, I get out of the city. I get out of the si or I get out of the silos of noise that are all around me, and I go for a hike. I spend a good chunk of the day hiking through the mountains, and it's the only way that I can actually be truly silent and quiet and. Not so much still in the sense that my body is moving, but I find the silence that is all around me enveloping and enfolding me. Uh, Hannah talked about the talus rocks or a talus slope uh, a while back. 
a few weeks ago, right? This, this, these rocky sorts of trails that are all over the place. There's some of the best places to go hiking, mainly because at this point, you have no cellular service whatsoever. I mean, you, there, there's zero cellular service. So you can't pull out your phone and be like, oh, what's going on on Facebook today? I'm so bored as I walk, right? You don't get that sort of noise. And your phone becomes completely obsolete. And as you're hiking through these clefts of rocks and as you're hiking through these beautiful terrains of forest, as you go up two, three, four thousand feet and you're up there in the clouds, you can be silent with the silence of creation that is around you. And when you finally break for lunch and you sit there at the top and you survey everything that is around you, You can be still. And as you sit there and let that verse roll through your head, be still and know that I am God. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that pushes away, that pushes in to that space that you're inhabiting there in that moment. For me, this has become a forced silence and stillness. Because I am not to be trusted in the city with silence and stillness. I cannot find it. Even though I know there are places, I have had to force my way into silence and stillness and rest and relaxation and be slack in that space. What does that look like for you? As you attempt to cultivate this upward life with God, sure, we can pray all day long. Sure, we can read scripture all day long. Sure, we can do these things that are good and healthy and beneficial. But there is nowhere else in scripture that it says, know that I am God apart from stillness. Nowhere else in scripture does it say, hey, just sit and know that I'm God while you're on your computer or while you're cooking dinner or while you're doing this. That there's a knowledge that comes in stillness. There's a presence and a connection that comes in quiet. Be still and know that I am God. I have a prayer for us as a community and as a people that we would find these connection spaces with God. That we would begin to carve out new ways of understanding what stillness looks like for us. And I guarantee we will fail left and right and left and right. I've done it. I've done it a lot. I've tried stillness in the car, right? Not a good idea. I've tried stillness at home. It does not work for me. I've tried stillness at a park in the city. It does not work for me. I have to get out and get away to find those points of connection. And when I do, when I do find those, it is one of the most beautiful and enrapturing spaces of my life. These past few months of hiking in the wilderness, quite literally the alpine wilderness is what it's named. As I go into the wilderness, I find these beautiful spaces of connection. What does that look like for you? Where are these spaces of silence and of quiet and of stillness, of relaxation to where you can actually know? That you can actually know that he is God 
that he is present with you and around you all the time, that he is working and at work, and that all of the chaos that ensues around us in this world and in our life and in our city and our neighborhood and in our homes, he is present, that he is at work, and that he is God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this this phrase, be still. And despite the challenge of it, despite how countercultural it is, despite how counterformative it is for us, it seems, Father, we pray for the stillness and the quiet to ensue. We pray for your presence in our lives in new ways. And Father, we pray that we would fight harder and harder and harder to find it that we may be a people who are connected with you in ways that we never have been before, that we may know you on a different level and in a different way, that the depth of intimacy might increase and that our knowledge and our understanding of you would surpass anything that we've ever hoped, imagined, or dreamed. Father, may we be a people May we be a people who are cultivating silence and stillness that we may know you. It's in your son's name that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.